Welcome to Stay Engaged. Everything you know and love about the IAB's flagship conference, Engage, but reimagined for these extraordinary times. It's Engage, but offstage. Today's offstage session is from influencer and talent agency, The Fifth. Our relationship with social media has changed in the face of the COVID-19 crisis. Before the pandemic, experts raised concerns over the mental health of social media users. Yet usage is up 40% and influencers are reporting exponential growth. As we connect more with our communities offline, will the pandemic encourage a kinder community online? Here's Ollie Lewis and a lineup of expert panelists to discuss. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Stay Engaged by the IAB UK. My name is Oliver Lewis. I'm the founder and MD of The Fifth Agency. We're a creative influencer marketing agency as well as a talent agency group. Now today I'm joined by three very special guests who I'm going to introduce very shortly. And we're going to be discussing a really important, relevant topic around self-care and community online, in particular, whether this crisis could in fact be a turning point for social media and kindness online. Look, I mean, social media has at times felt like a war zone, the utopian dream of this unrestricted communication, you know, at times felt like it's been turned into a weapon, particularly by those that are masking their identity online. I think we've all been witness to trolling attacks and sadly have come to expect that when we step foot on some platforms, we will see some form of abuse either directly or indirectly. And frequently, this is directed at seemingly confident celebrities, influencers, um, but often it's actually buried very deep within threads and aimed at quite vulnerable people. The tragic recent death of the much-loved presenter Caroline Flack does feel like and certainly should be a turning point, but is wider society ready to see that change in online behaviour? Because there's no doubt that relationship with social media in the face of this crisis has changed the way in which we are engaging and behaving online. So social media was perhaps already facing this crisis and, and experts have raised concerns over mental health of prolific social media use. And yet today, social media use as a result is up by some 60% across the board. Influencers and content creators are reporting you know, exponentially higher levels of engagement on both their content and their advertising. All of that said, we're starting to see, or are we starting to see, real positivity and kindness giving negative news a run for its money. So as people find themselves with less to do and more time to spare, you know, household hobbies from baking banana bread to taking on TikTok challenges are all becoming true lockdown lifelines. And perhaps this pandemic, which has turned us to connect more with our communities online, will also encourage a kind of community online. It may have forced us to put differences aside as we face this new normal. So a big and ranging topic. And to bring this to life, I've got three wonderful guests, as I've said. I'd like to introduce them to you. And firstly, um, Victoria Eames joins us, who is a well-known now comedian and content creator. I think it's self described as a comedic parenting blogger who rose to fame on Instagram during maternity leave where she began sharing the realties of becoming a mother and probably most recently many really have seen her as she broke the internet with her parody of I Will Survive <laughs> film during lockdown in fact you know Victoria uses her presence constantly to address the unfiltered reality of parenthood and I guess has her own experiences of online criticism which I'm sure she's going to be sharing but Victoria really hello. feels... Hello there. So my second guest, that's a long introduction for you, Vic. Uh, my second guest is Paula Ack- 
Japan. And Paula is the uh, first and foremost an advocate for black women's rights. And as a freelance journalist, both her written and social content target issues faced with black, queer, female, and LGBTQ communities, highlighting discrimination and challenges faced on a daily basis. And Paula also co-created the award-winning social media project, I'm Tired. Uh, the project utilizes photography and human body and written words as a real tool for highlighting the lasting impact of everyday microaggressions, assumptions and stereotypes. And we're thrilled you could join us, Paula. Hiya. I'm also joined by Dr. Sarah Voyer. Now, for those that know, Dr. Sarah Voyer is a consultant psychiatrist, but she's also the author of the upcoming The Mind Medic, which is also her Instagram handle. And in addition to her, Sarah's clinical work, and she's very passionate about debunking mental health myths and sharing practical tips and tools online to help us lead much calmer and happier lives. Sarah's also familiar with the influencer space, having worked with brands alongside, including Gymshark and Rituals and Sweaty Betty, so has a wide-ranging view. I'm sure you'll agree, an amazing panel, rich with experiences. I'm going to jump into hearing some of those. Uh, now that the pandemic has thrown millions of people into unemployment, into working from home, to some extent it's eliminated our ways of socialising. And as we've said, social media use has surged across all platforms. But has this heightened anxiety or has it potentially helped and helped us to turn a corner i'd like to start maybe with vic i'd love to hear from your personal experiences since the pandemic do you think the internet has become a a kinder and more supportive place to reside recently i absolutely i'm experiencing that myself on my platform and just with my community just getting loads of messages from Lots of people just being really lovely, actually, which does happen, but not as frequently as it has happened in the last couple of weeks. I think probably because what I'm sharing, a lot of parents can identify with. But I've also noticed across people that I follow and other things that have been shared on Twitter and things that have gone viral, I suppose, in the last couple of weeks, have all just been so positive. And actually, it's changing my behaviour and what I follow, too, because... I've been pretty anxious myself, but I've just tried to follow feeds that are full of positivity to kind of help me cope, really. I think we're seeing that quite a lot. If I come to you next, Dr. Sarah, as a psychiatrist, what's your general feeling and temperature of the current crisis, both from your own personal perspective, but obviously for your own clients? I think Vic's hit the nail on the head, really, in terms of actually, if you are curating your own feed or looking at your own platform, actually the general sense is that if you've created a space that is mainly positive and mostly encouraging and inspiring, actually that's only going to be increased during a time like this where we're all experiencing the same thing. You know, when I come sort of to the clinic room, often the young people that I see will have very much mixed experiences. So where they perhaps haven't curated their social media feed to align with more positive, inspiring messages, they actually find the opposite, that actually social media has been quite a negative space. It's fueled social comparisons even more because, you know, when do you ever have a time to compare yourself literally 24-7 to your school friends, to family members, to people at the opposite end of the globe who are, in inverted commas, lockdowning better than you? Because, you know, it's so, so difficult not to be drawn into that comparison especially when you've you know got even celebrities in lockdown and already you kind of see how these stories are played out in social media what have they got to complain about they're lockdowning in multi-million pound mansions with swimming pools and that can wreak a lot of negativity a lot of hatred um, and incite trolling behavior so I think it's a mixed bag but I think when you're looking at it from an individual consumer level if you're curating 
positive, inspiring messages, I think almost certainly you'll have found a real increase in that over the last few weeks. So that's interesting. And, and as a content creator, Paula, have you found something similar? I've actually found it quite difficult being online lately. I think especially because I spend a lot of time on Twitter and because we've all got so much free time, like we're all in lockdown. So everyone, everything reverberates around Twitter a lot and it's magnified a lot. And I think some things that are quite specific to myself and my community, so such as like black key workers who've been spat on and then, you know, contracted COVID and died or the fact that black people are four times more likely to die from COVID. I think whenever those news pieces come out or that news cycle starts, it continues again and again and again, and it's pulled out into loads of different discussion points, which makes it very difficult for me to be online. So it's not necessarily unkind, but I think it's very overwhelming because you're just faced with so many different opinions, so many news pieces, lots of people having their loved ones pass away. I think it's just a very tough time for me personally to be online. Just picking up on that, we were clearly facing a crisis of sorts on social media, which was leading to certain mental health issues. I mean, Paula, I know you've experienced comments in the past that we could say, you know, amount to real bullying online. Would you mind sharing some of those experiences and how you adapted to those and cope with those? Yeah, sure. I mean, some of them are ongoing. I think being a journalist and writing for, you know, the likes of The Independent and iNews, etc., where, especially if they're op-eds, it rubs people up a lot the wrong way. So, for example, I recently wrote a piece about how I felt that black women had been failed by the leaked Labour report, and I had a whole host of trolls just in my mentions on Twitter. They actually tried to email Chloe via my fifth email just being like do you know who you're representing and then my email was signed up to loads of like spam sites where they just add you to loads of newsletters so just by simply writing an article it just opens me up to a lot of negative responses I've ended up filtering my mentions so that I don't see just from people that I'm not following because it can often just be yeah just trolling and just a disagreement with something that I've written or shared online. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, you know, from opening yourself up to increased attention is something that I think probably unifies a huge number of people with, with large audiences and, and followings. I mean, Victoria, you, in many respects, you were doing a public a service by entertaining us with I Will Survive. But as a result of it, it went viral. It was picked up by the press. And we heard recently it's going to be stored in the BFI National Archives. So you must be really proud of that. But equally, how have you found and coped with that? That's increased attention. You said they've been kinder to that. But how have you personally dealt with, with an increase in audience and, and attention that comes with it? When it initially started going viral, because it didn't happen immediately, I think I posted it on the Sunday and then it didn't really go completely mental until the Wednesday. To be honest, that's what I've never gone viral for and I, I don't know how much I enjoyed it. It wasn't particularly an ambition of mine to go viral, you know, I just kind of have always run my Instagram as a hobby and as a release from parenthood really and now it's obviously it's turned into a career because I am technically an influencer but yeah just suddenly to see it everywhere and the thing is as well I don't think you really realize until it goes far is that no one asks permission for anything so it ends up on the tv several different countries and you're not informed of that officially it's just kind of it was a bit scary to be honest there were a couple of days when 
I was, yeah, a little bit sort of, I just felt like it was all totally out of control. And obviously, I mean, it's amazing that it's gone into the BFI archive. I feel really proud of that. But the increased intention, I suppose, it's been great. It's brought me a whole new audience of luckily like-minded people. But then I have also had a few sort of new experiences, I suppose, with trolling. And I wouldn't say online bullying. Well, no, it is bullying. Trolling, any form of bullying is trolling. But yeah, I've had just comments about what I was doing in front of my children and that it was disgusting that I'm dancing like that. Just really ridiculous things like that. And I've also which I've never had before, I've had quite a bit of unwanted male attention, which is horrific. (laughs) 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 Got my first dick pic. Let's just put that out there. Oh, Oh my God. I know. I mean, why? Like, I'm dancing with my children and my family. It's like, I really don't need to see your penis. Thank you very much. (laughs) And that's kind of, there's been two sides to it. It's been amazing and an experience I'll never forget. But then it's kind of brought some of the nastier sides of social media out as well, I suppose. Recently, TikTok are really trying to do something in this space. They've been investing quite a lot of time. Their recent partnership, the hashtag mental health, has seen a massive 125% increase in views against that hashtag only recently. And I think a lot of that is down to the creators, actually. I think the creators are sharing more positive content, health strategies, encouragement on that platform than potentially some of the others. And I think you talk about boosting energy and and positivity. I mean, Paul, from your perspective, you know, how important is that? Do you have techniques and are you conscious of this throughout your content to check that relationship and ensure that you are uh, surrounding yourself with positivity and helping and encouraging your audience and community? Yeah, I think physical techniques I have right now are that I don't have social media notifications come through to my phone. Like about two years ago, prior to that, I found that I was just posting something and then just like very anxiously waiting to see what kind of feedback I'd get and it was just really unhealthy so I've got those turned off and I found that it helps because it feels like social media isn't ruling me and that I'm checking into the app as and when I choose to rather than being distracted from something but yeah I think specifically to do with the pandemic at the minute for me as someone who has kind of like built spaces for black women and members of my community. I think the main thing that I'm struggling with at the minute is feeling like I'm not doing enough. I'm so kind of wondering, oh, should I be helping by setting up some sort of initiative or some sort of fund or something like make feeling like I'm active? And again, I have to keep reminding myself that we're literally in a pandemic and that I need to focus on myself first and make sure that I'm okay. So yeah, at the minute, I'm just trying to temper my relationship with social media, take detoxes when I need to, which I'm trying to do quite regularly. I am tapping into like positive content. But also I I find it, while it's overwhelming, I think it's quite important for me to be in the loop with the more difficult stuff that's happening on socials in terms of news sharing, etc. So right now it's just really a balancing act. (laughs) Uh, And what about you, Victoria? I mean, is it a similar in particular? How does it affect you as a parent and managing, you know, social and, and actually as you look to the future, how much does that concern you? I absolutely feel the same way as Paula, like just trying to find a bit of a balancing act of not being too consumed by 
social media and then yeah just checking out regularly too I mean the thing is I've got two small children so they do a pretty good job of uh, (laughs) making me check out so that's definitely helpful because I don't like to be on my phone around them really so if I post something in the morning I won't check anything until the evening once they've gone to bed because then I don't mind ignoring my husband so I'll just sit there and (laughs) ignore him for an hour (laughs) and as for being a parent I mean to be honest it bloody terrifies me the thought of them having access I mean they're so little they're one and three they know what my phone is but you know they don't know anything about that stuff yet but I suppose like my job that I did before I have started doing this full time I worked in a secondary school and I saw firsthand the impact that it has especially with the online bullying on teenagers and just how easily influenced they are it is a worry definitely I just think that I have to just educate them a lot of people do posts of just this perfect everything's perfect you know you look perfect your house is perfect you go on the perfect holiday it's just not realistic do you think to some extent though we're coming to an end of an era with regards to that sort of fake portrayal of yourself online and actually authenticity and realism and the body positivity movements are really now starting to grow and in actual fact it might be that this kind of manufactured celebrity look online is actually people are pushing back against it and want something more positive to all of you really are you experiencing that do you think that's starting and will it continue i think what i'm seeing in the clinic room is that a lot of young people they don't want kind of bog standard jobs anymore they aspire to be the next influencer the next blogger or vlogger and for them there isn't a plan b so whilst you know i can relay to them that actually what they see on social media is often a highlights reel. You know, we're all guilty of it. If you think about when you you go on holiday, you might upload a photo onto Facebook, you might well know that it's nothing but showers back home, but actually you putting that photo up into public domain, you know, where it's all nice and sunny by a beach, actually you kind of can predict what response that will get. That's only a snapshot of the rest of the holiday, a snapshot in the whole year of your life. So I think... Often when you read like that to young people, they don't believe that it is a highlights reel. They buy into the image that is being portrayed by, you know, the latest influencer to come out of a reality TV programme. And that does worry me because, you know, we're not no longer looking for validation from people we know, friends, family, work colleagues. We're looking for validation from unknowns around the globe picking up on Paula's point around turning social media notifications, that is my number one piece of advice because it will constantly pull you in throughout the day. You know, you post something onto a public domain and I have young people that will literally delete a post if it hasn't got the amount of engagement that they anticipated. They will feel worthless. They may have been felt 100% confident about putting it out there, but the moment it only gets a handful of likes, that's it, they remove it. And they're effectively putting their self-esteem, their feelings of adequacy into the hands of complete strangers. And that's incredibly worrying. And I think if there's anything that you can do is, you know, social media is here to stay, but you can adapt and change your behaviour and how you use it. 
Can I get all of your views on whether Instagram removing the likes, particularly in the UK, which which we know will be coming, is going to have a positive impact? Because we're kind of hardwired to this brain's reward system, aren't we, by constantly checking in to receive those likes. And Instagram, and Adam Masiri said that you know they're doing it to try and reduce anxiety, to try and reduce social comparisons, as you said, Dr. Sarah. Do you think it's a good thing? Is it part of the solution or is it going to make huge inroads? And Vic, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. I don't see a need for them. I lose loads of followers all the time. But when I'm looking at the stats, I'm like, oh my God, I've lost so many followers. What have I done wrong kind of thing? It's just people, whatever, they don't have to follow me. If they choose not to follow me, that's fine. That's absolutely their choice. But I can't help but take it personally. So I think they should get rid of the follower numbers and the likes. And the same on all the other platforms too. Like I know with Twitter and with TikTok as well, it's all about the likes and the shares and all that stuff, isn't it? Just get rid of it. No one else needs to know. Do you feel it will impact your ability to show ROI for your brand partnerships? Does that worry you or concern you in any way? For me personally, not particularly. I think especially because none of the work that I've really done, it's not for the sake of content creation. I'm not in the same kind of blogosphere or the kind of spaces that maybe Victoria's moving in as well, which I imagine is just so much more stressful for me that it wouldn't affect it too much. I do question whether it's been removed by Instagram for mental health reasons or more so to complicate things for businesses trying to advertise etc on the platform and I guess it's still worth noting that they do still have some form of metric in that you have others and then thousands of others etc so there is still this indicator of like ranking in terms of how many likes that you do have but I do think that it has been really positive because I know that occasionally I'll still post something and be like oh god that wasn't like a great picture but it doesn't matter because no one's going to see it apart from me they're just going to see three little heads and then that's it so yeah I guess it's not a huge worry for me but I imagine for Victoria maybe that is something that you are more thoughtful about so with Fifth, which is the agency that Ollie's from through, I'm sure you've gathered that. We use like a platform called Q83 and all of my metrics go there and I never look at them, but my agent, Katie, does. So if you could still do that and you could still see them, but it's sort of like a third party software or whatever, then that's fine by me. I don't think about things like that. I mean, I'm really not a very good influencer. <laughs> <laughs> So look, I think to sort of close out on this conversation, I'd love to hear from all of you about what you think practically we could be doing more as industry, as agencies, but equally whether you think the government and platforms should be doing more to support everybody, frankly, with increased screen time, with their mental health, but also against bullying. So quite a broad range, but I'd love to know if you have any ideas of where you think the accountability lies, because this is absolutely, as Sarah said, not going away. And certainly it's maybe been exacerbated recently. So, I mean, Dr. Sarah, if you'd like to go first, have you given much thought to where you think we could improve? I mean, I think it is a universal responsibility. You know, we've spoken about the responsibility of the individual in terms of curating their own social media feed monitoring how certain you know, influences make you feel or the content that you access online and feeling empowered that actually the power lies in you to be able to curate your social media feed to choose to unfollow them or to even mute them if actually unfollowing them feels too political. So I think in that sense, actually empowering the individual is really, really important. Obviously, we've spoken about trolling and cyberbullying 
there are protocols around kind of reporting those concerns but I do feel that there needs to be more transparency from the social media companies around what actually happens beyond them you know an individual reporting a concern because I don't think many people actually would know what happens to that concern beyond them hitting that button so I think there needs to be more transparency from the social media companies I think schools should be focusing on social media and relationships with social media, how you use it as a motivating, inspiring space, the potential problems, shortfalls of it, um, and incorporate as part of their curriculum. Because actually, you know, the kids coming through today are, I've got a five-year-old daughter, so she's growing up in and around a world where social media is at the forefront. I also think, I mean, we've just finished Mental Health Awareness Week, and this is a week that I struggle with. I think it's positive that we're raising awareness, but there's this idea that actually we raise awareness for one week of the year and then it gets forgotten about until next year. People struggle with their mental health daily and actually raising awareness for one week is simply not enough. So I think actually having a dedicated space within all these social media platforms with educational resources, communicating with experts, maybe bringing it to life more dynamic in terms of having regular panel events or discussions, podcasts, so that people are able to access resources if they are struggling with their mental health more readily rather than something that they have to actively seek out. So I think there's plenty that we as the consumer can do, that schools, the education system can do, and then lastly, that social media companies can do. Victoria, do you have any additional thoughts? Well, I think she's covered it all there, hasn't she? (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, totally agree with everything. So I'm an influencer, so I feel like I have a responsibility to put out stuff that isn't just fake bullshit, basically, which is what I try and do. And I'm nothing but honest on there about all of the, you know, parts of being a parent and life and everything that people don't necessarily want to speak about. But I feel like in doing that, I'm hopefully helping towards this, like we were saying, this movement towards being more honest and being more real and not just showing the glossier highlights real sort of thing. Perhaps, Paul, I could give you the final word back to our original hypothesis. Do you believe that this crisis is or will make us kinder people and bring communities closer together? Or do you think we've got a long way to go? I think we've seen a lot of examples of just everyday kindness and not just vapid kindness, but I think kindness with intention in terms of the rise of mutual aid groups and people sharing resources, people finding ways to create online pride, for example. So I think we are seeing a lot of instances of creativity and just ways of trying to ensure that people don't feel alone. Like I recently interviewed a couple who have a 24-7 stream in their house like a live stream so that people can just check in so that they see that here are two people who aren't actually really doing anything and that's okay if you aren't able to be productive or do anything that you feel is of worth today like that's all right so I think we are finding creativity in the midst of what is a very difficult time so I think it's an exciting time but also very unprecedented and we don't know where this is going to end up. Thank you very much for joining us and for our amazing panellists. I think the overriding message here is stay engaged, but do it responsibly. Potentially turn off your notifications more. (laughs) 
and filter your feed. I think most importantly, the onus can and should be on you to ensure that you surround yourself with positivity at this time and to support each other. So thank you. We'll see you again soon. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In the next offstage session, we're casting our minds forward to 2030 as Agency Essence answers the question, what will advertising look like in 2030 and will it even exist? Coming up as part of Stay Engaged.